Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Pat and I back for the final episode of the 2020 NFL regular season. And I say that we're regular season with emphasis for very good reason, obviously, uh, for the Washington football team, which we're recording about 24 hours after the Washington football team defeated the Philadelphia Eagles by a final score of 20 to 14. And of course, in doing so, the Washington football team is now your 2020 NFC East champions. Um, look, I mean, in all reality, we were just talking about this right before we started the podcast. We know the Washington football team. We know Washington finished with a 7-9 record, joining that illustrious rankings of teams to win the division without a winning record. But I think we should also think of it this way, at least from the onset, that you know, we have plenty of reasons to believe that if, Washington, that if Washington hadn't started Dwayne Haskins for the first X number of games this year, we could have picked up in a couple of wins here and there with uh, Kyle Allen or especially you know Alex Smith, whom we'll talk about a little bit further, um, or in a little bit, I should say. And uh, as you've heard Pat and I talk about throughout the course of the season, look, we predicted this team to finish with a 6-10 and 10 record, possibly landing them a third-place uh, finish in this division. But here we are with an NFC East title after, after Ron Rivera's first season in Washington. And as he said in today's press conference, we shouldn't make any apologies for this team winning. And to no. that end, Pat, let's get your thoughts on this because I know you got some uh, so that I stop rambling. Yeah, I think my thoughts are going to come around the tanking scenario. Uh, look, yesterday was one of the worst football games ever. Um, I, we were watching a team actively try to tank, and we still struggled. <laughs> uh, but as Ron said today, I don't care. Um, I don't care about the record. You know, we're, we're seven and nine. Uh, we both we both said six and ten to start of the year, as you said. Um, but frankly, this fan base, like. You can miss me with uh, all the East sucks, all the skins suck, you know, you got lucky, whatever. We won the East, fair, square. Guess what? All the other teams in the East suck too. Um, so I'm I'm pumped for division champs. It's really exciting to play a Saturday night playoff game. That alone is worth winning the division because Saturday is going to be a big day in my household. We, got this, we had the Hawks at midday. On Saturday, rolling right into the skins. Like, can't wait. It's gonna be you guys a huge not getting day. shit done on Saturday. No, I can't wait. Or, or probably Sunday. Yeah. Um, but look, it's a really cool story. Uh, this fan base. We, I mean, like, we deserve this title. Um, if you want to call it a title, um, all the shit, like, it's so well documented now. All the shit we've gone gone through. Um, you know, starting with Smith's, Smith's leg injury, um, you know, going to Bruce Allen saying, you know, the, the culture is actually pretty damn good. Uh, to, you know, the culture is damn good. Yeah, exactly. Um, to all the off-field issues with, with Snyder, and, like, I keep bringing the Snyder stuff up every week because I think we should. Uh, but, like, in the middle of it is Ron Rivera going through cancer, uh, and the quote – a lot of quotes have come out less. 24 hours about this game, both today from like Monday press conferences, as well as last night after the game. But Morgan Moses quote stood out to me more than anything. Um, you know, they asked him, what's the difference between this and like previous teams. And he basically said the coaching staff, he was like, the coaching staff is the same every single day. And they always come in, you know, optimistic and preach the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And you think about those J teams and it was such a roller coaster. Um, you never really, it was Jekyll and Hyde. You never knew what team 
was going to show get you know show up. Um, and the the biggest the, my favorite saying so far this season actually comes from a guy I don't particularly like in JP Finley, but I really liked his comment about comparing this season versus our 2012 um, NFC East title. He basically said 2012 was a window. 2020, we're building a damn house. Like this team is built to win for a while. Now we got to figure out the quarterback situation immediately. I know that. But if we do that, our team on paper, like look at the Broncos when they won. Yeah, they had Manning, but they won basically because their defense. Look at the look at the Ravens, how they got their franchise going until they hit with um, with Lamar, right? Like you win with defense. It's the bottom line. We have it. And uh, I think this title, as shaky as it is, uh, is, I think, a step in the right direction. I really, really, really do. And I'm excited for the playoffs now. You know, one of the things that's funny, you talk about the motivational phrases or whatever, uh, J.P. Finley aside. Um, I, of the trio, let's, I'll, I'll duffy, duff, briefly touch on the formerly team known as Redskins talk podcast. But of the trio of Finley and his two stooges, I hate Finley the least. Yeah, I hate, yeah, um, I hate one of those two. You don't like Pete. You don't like no, Pete. Other That's way around. I, no, yeah. other other one. I, I think he's the biggest ass clown I've ever heard in my entire life. Mitch. I'm like, yeah. Um, I think he's a complete and utter tool with a capital ool um, in like 75. That's, yeah. what I, that's what we would call him. But um, going back to the Ron Rivera motivational phrases, I think Chris Collinsworth dropped this in at some point. It was like the it was like in the second. Collinsworth was awful last night. Awful. God awful. Um, he was awful. That notwithstanding, he kept talking about the uh, the acronym APE, um, Attitude, Preparation, Effort, and he kept talking about your APE. And I actually wrote that down because I'm like, I, I, it's such a stupid acronym, but I, I liked the approach to it or the comprehensiveness of it. But the again, Attitude, Preparation, and Effort. And I think, especially to the latter two components of the said APE acronym, it kind of details, again, the cultural shift, cultural structure that Ron Rivera's built up that you've talked about, that everyone's talked about ad nauseum. Um, it's just something that is a very refreshing contrast to the laissez-faire, you know, club med type of vibe that while Jay Gruden was able to, that Jay Gruden had here, though he was able to get his guys to play hard for him because they liked him and he was a smart guy. But in terms of hardworking and attention to detail, we know those things he was not. No, he wasn't. I mean, just look at that video of him getting a titty twister from Deshaun. I'll practice. never forget that one, right? And like, imagine anyone trying to do that to Ron Rivera and just look at the contrast. No, Ron, will, Ron will kill him. Literally. Um, Ron, Ron has such a presence that I, sometimes I wonder if Dan's even a little scared of him. Would you be surprised a five foot little five foot one Napoleon, like trying to look at this guy? I don't care how many billion Snyder is worth. You would, you would you know, know. be shitting his pants in front of Rivera. You got a dude who is ex-military, if I'm not mistaken. He was a member of the 85 Bears, and he's just so commanding in his presence, even irrespective of those facts. Yeah, I'd goddamn right. Yeah. Well, I'd much rather have uh, – I think Rivera is the best coach in the conference or uh, in the East by a mile. We all talked about the beginning of the season, all the different coaching hires, because um, McCarthy and Judge are both new. And, like, everyone said – Rivera is probably the best fit for the for the job at hand, and look what happened. We won the East. Um, and for those, can I just get in? I'm talking. Yes, do it. Now. Do it. No, do can it. Can I just get into this tanking thing? Yes, just do it. It's you. The segue is there for Doug Peterson. Okay. Yeah. So Doug has been there for a while. I think he's been there for five years now. 
Uh, 17 uh, was his first season. He won the Super Bowl in his first season, if, if I'm not mistaken. They won the Super Bowl in his first year? Oh, good for them. Uh, Frank Reich won the Super Bowl in Doug Peterson's yeah, first yeah, year. Yeah. Let's, get, let's not get it twisted. Um, so this tanking situation that is just all over the news, uh, you know, it's all Collinsworth could talk about. You know, I could give a – I could give two shits if uh, – who's the sideline reporter? Um, Michelle no, Toya? What's her name? Yeah, look, yeah look, what's her name? Michelle Tafoya? Wasn't it Michelle Tafoya? Tafoya, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't give a shit if she's texting with the giant safety. Like, the whole thing was just ridiculous. I was like, yeah, I get it. The game is not great. But, like, the Giants are 6-10. and 10. If I see any one of Saquon Barkley's tweets anymore anytime soon, it'll still be too soon. You know what Saquon Barkley should focus on? Playing in a football game. Stop blowing out your ACL and actually do something past his rookie year, all right? I don't care what Saquon Barkley has to say. Saquon Barkley should do something outside of being a one-year wonder who is perilously close to having a, completely, a career completely marred by injuries. I don't give a shit what he has to say. You know what I give a shit about? My team and the team that I'm playing against. Continue, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so the things that like stood out to me were, one, if this game is played at 1 o'clock in the afternoon – this is not even remotely a story. People do this all the time in the NFL. Literally every single year it happens. And it happened It happened in the earlier games. Uh, the Steelers had more to play for than the Eagles, and they played Mason Rudolph. The Bills stomped a team trying to get into the playoffs, and they played Matt Barkley for a whole half. I'm not even sure Mahomes played. Um, I think uh, – I missed a lot uh, of the 4 p.m. games. Unfortunately, Chad Henney, but Chad Henney started. My point is like, this happens all the time. And the only reason why it was a story is because NBC pushed the narrative so hard and it's the NFL's fault for flexing the game to begin with. Add on to that, the whole Hurts thing. Look, Hurts sucked yesterday. Our defense ate him up. He had two good drives. One that was completely aided by penalties. And another one where we, for some reason, played kind of like prevent and then played man to man uh, in the red zone. And he just ran for a touchdown. Other than that, Hurts was bad. Like, Sweat and Young and Payne and Allen, they did their job. We dominated that, the trenches, when Hurts was in the game. More. It was reported before the game that Sudfeld was going to play. Like, that was not a spur-of-the-win decision. It was known that we were probably going to see Sudfeld before that game. So, for those saying, like, oh, they took out Hurts, like, can't believe they did that, it was planned. It was pre-planned. It probably came from Lowry or whoever the – F the GM is over there, right? So I'm just – the narrative just really, really irked me. And the thing that – there's two things that really – there's three more. There's three more. I'm sorry. I'm really fired up about this. Get thing. it. Go at it. Uh, one, the Eagles don't know the Giants shit. Like, no – I don't – the narrative that Giants were like, I can't believe the Eagles would do this to us, yada, yada, yada. Like, the Eagles don't owe you anything. We've been screwed over by teams left and right. The Giants took $36 million away from us. For over two seasons. Get over yourselves. The Giants, I'm like starting to like hate them more than the Cowboys. Uh, which I don't there. think that was possible, but like I'm I there. hate them right now. Two, flip the script. What what if the Giants are playing for something? Uh, or let's say the Giants are in the playoffs. You think he's gonna give the ball to Saquon 30 times? No. Saquon's gonna get three carries, he's gonna be on the pitch. Right? Like, and my favorite one of all is this is one that just kind of popped in my head. Go back to week 16 last year. We play at home, two dumpy-ass teams, playing for the right for the number two overall pick. 
You know what happens if we win that game? We lost in overtime, by the way. We don't Which we get the third overall pick, and we miss Chase Young, and they get Chase Young. The difference between the sixth pick and the ninth pick in the NFL draft is significant enough where you take. Because, I mean, it's not quite top five, but, like, I would say it's years more valuable than number, number nine. Now, granted, there isn't a player available like Chase Young this year, period. If you're the Eagles, don't you put yourself in position to put – potentially either a draft one of the top four quarterbacks in this year's draft or B hold a ransom for that pick for somebody else who is trying to. Yeah. Or yeah. hundred percent agree with the latter part. Cause my guess is Wilson will be there. I don't, I don't get the, I don't believe the hub that you're going to go over fields. I think that's a narrative the media is just pushing. Okay. Um, but if you're the Eagles, not only do you want that collateral, you also have to find a way to get rid of Wentz's contract. So, like, you need as many assets as you can get right now. Um, so, just the whole, like, tanking doesn't happen in NFL, bullshit. It happens every year. It's just a little more quiet than what happened in our game because the NFL flexed it. It's their fault. It's not, like, as Ron said today, we don't give – I forget exactly his line, but he was like, we play the winning game, whoever's in front of us, like, that's on them. I don't give a shit. Yeah, also, you don't his, control the outside factors. Yeah, and also his, line, his shade towards Dwayne today was just terrific. Uh, that's my spiel. I'm off my high horse. I just like, we I finally won the division and the, the storyline was about them taking who get, who cares. You said everything and I, I could not agree or add anything better to what you said because it was just, so, it was perfect. I think the only thing that was exacerbated, that exacerbated the entire situation was the fact that Sudfeld was just so bad. Like Sudfeld was worse than Dwayne Haskins. Sudfeld might've been the worst quarterback I think I've ever seen this in the entirety of this season. Like there was a joke that like Nate Sudfeld joined the club of Nathan's with Nathan Peterman in terms of like the worst quarterbacking performances we've ever seen. And like, you know, there was obviously, we were all joking about like um, the karma of Nate Sudfeld coming in to like, you know, help, the Eagles beat us. Yeah. It couldn't have been any further from the truth or it couldn't have been any more of the opposite. Cause like mother of Christ, he was bad. Like outside of, until maybe that third or fourth drive where he got a couple of passes, but like, man. And I mean, I get it. He hasn't played like four years or whatever the, the, the story was. And like, you know, he hadn't played all of this year as a healthy scratch for all for the majority of this year, if I was not mistaken. He so, was healthy. He was, he was on the active roster for two games, week one and week 17. So like, <laughs> I get all of those things. And that, that really, you know, added a fuel to the to narrative. If, uh, to your point, if Sudfeld came out and slung it and dropped 120 in the, in the fourth quarter, no one's talking Man. about tanking. Oh. If Sudfeld dropped 120 and oh, the Eagles the still outcome. lost. That's all people care about. They, they, nobody would be talking about tanking. It's the fact that Sudfeld was so bad that yeah, it just really – Couldn't that, even, couldn't that even that catch it. a snap. Yeah. Um, I, I mean – and like you said, among other people, it's like, again, it hurts. I think it's 75 yards passing last night. He had two touchdowns. Both of them were on the ground. Seven, he was 7 to 20, 72 yards and a pick. Yeah, right. Uh, the pick was also kind of bad. I mean, it was a bad, badly timed throw. But, okay, so 72 yards and three quarters of work. Congratulations, either 24 yards a quarter. That is Dwayne Haskins-esque, <clears throat> right? So, yeah. He also, had, he also had three pass attempts inside the four-yard line, and they didn't score on any of them. 
And the fourth down that he threw to that like backup backup receiver Watkins, who I'm not even familiar with. Well, that guy was open too. That guy was open, right? He beat like on the in and out route, whatever you want to call it, the corner route, whatever they officially call it. Uh, he beat Fuller. Like Fuller's feet got stuck in the in the in the wet grass, and he beat Fuller on coming out. And if Hertz was actually a good quarterback, he completes that throw. Shout out to uh, John Bostic, who I've been pretty hard on this year for causing him to short on that because Bostic's the one who uh, t- took off after him. You know, after all the injuries that Washington has had over the, uh, off, over the offensive line over the X number of years, and they're like, well, Philadelphia had to start their 14th offensive line a combination this year. Do you know who has two thumbs and no sympathy for that whatsoever? This guy. Couldn't care less about the fact that, oh, Philadelphia had to start so many different offensive line combinations. Great. We have one of the worst training staffs in the history of the NFL. No one ever complained about that or no one ever, you know, gave that any spotlight. So I'm sorry. That's actually, that- actually, that was what, uh, that's what Ron talked about in his presser today. He was like, no one, no one complained when we didn't have our quarterback. No one complained when we played Carolina without Terry. Like it is what it is. Couldn't have said it better. Um, yeah, I will say, me. Uh, I will say this. Um, one other point, um, it was a little frustrating to watch, not that it's going to affect us this Saturday, but it was a little frustrating to watch Washington again struggle with a mobile quarterback. It reminded me a lot of what happened against Russell Wilson, and not that Teddy Bridgewater is a mobile quarterback per se, but a lot of the same thing happened with Teddy Bridgewater, that you got our pass rushers that kind of just flew up the field. In many cases, they beat the sorry-ass offensive linemen of the Eagles, um, but they would either kind of get too far and then Hertz would just kind of scramble up the middle and you're being a little kinder to Jeff, John Bostic than I would be. Um, Cause again, outside of Cole Holcomb, our linebackers so often were just MIA. And like, there was a couple of times where Collinsworth was like, well, they got Bostic's, you know, um, spying Hertz. And meanwhile, like Hertz is just running right by him. Um, I don't so, think we started spying him until the second half. I wouldn't be surprised either. It's one of our, you know, he, second half adjustments. Every, like there was one, I think it was third and four or third and three. And the whole world knew it was going to be a quarterback draw. Yeah. And he still got a first down. Uh, the second half, though, I think Bostic became a spy, I think. I, yeah. Um, I guess that cooled down the offense a little bit of the Eagles. But to that point, a lot of people, I think Grant Paulson, among others, tweeted the fact that this was the second straight game. We allowed no points in the second half. And, you know, we continue to Dude, do our, one of the our best second, second half. Our defensive staffs, our stats are, like, not just for the last two weeks, but the whole year are nuts. I'm a little quietly worried about Jack Del Rio getting head coaching court consideration. I don't think he will, but I'm, I'm a little quietly worried about it because I think he's done a good job. And I think year two, he could do an even better job. Although defensive prowess is notoriously up and down in terms of year over Just, year. But if he gets the interview, it's simple. All we got to do is get the, whoever the owner of the team is, get his email, send him a link to Del Rio's Twitter, Twitter. account. And just be like, this is who you're hiring. <laughs> I don't know. Because the owner tends to vote in the same direction that Del Rio likes to uh, trend in, they, uh, which they generally do in those circles. That it might be an asset more than a li- liability. Um, from a defensive perspective, I'm actually going to jump from a liability to a very, very high positive. Uh, what can you say about Chase Young? Another oh, week, so another, another monstrous performance. Um, good thing we lost last year. Yeah, right. His, his, his fumble recovery on Sudfeld's second drive um, led to the field goal that effectively put the nail in the coffin. If it wasn't for Morgan Moses' hold, I believe that Moses got called, called for the holding. We probably could have gone further and maybe put the touchdown as the nail in the coffin. But we kicked the field goal. It was what it was. But there was just a slew of plays where 
he continued to harass Hertz. He continued to blow shit up. That one play where he just destroyed the RPO is one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen where like he just like torpedoed the entire RPO before it even happened. Um, it was so glorious. And uh, that play where he ran down Jalen Hurts from behind, like Hurts thought he had room to get to the sideline. I thought he was going to take the ball from him. I thought it was going to be a strip sack as well. Like I thought he was going to chop the ball from the back. Um, you know, Chase Young, I know people are talking about Jeremy Chin of the Carolina Panthers, and there's somebody else that I'm missing. But if he doesn't have the defensive rookie of the year locked up, I don't really know what else to say at this point. Well, first off, Curl's better than Chin. Uh, Curl is sick. His stats versus Chins are way better. Um, the Chase Young thing is interesting to me. Like that fumble. He, first off, like one of the first things you're taught in football. Granted, this could have changed because I was taught football uh, 20 years ago. You're a, you're a sixth grader. You're a seventh grader trying trying to get on like whatever team is. You fall on the football. Yep. <laughs> With your back towards the team, so they can't get it. That's like number one. Never try to scoop score. Chase is such a freak athlete that every time that ball's in the ground, I'm like, pick it up and go. Right. And he looks so graceful uh, when he does it. So graceful. And when he picked up that fumble, like, this is not my take at all. I saw it on Twitter and I was like, oh my God, it's so spot on. Sean Taylor? It looked just like the Sean Taylor play from 2005. Yeah, I think it is. It's a couple of people I saw that we must have seen the same people. In Philly, for the division, all whites are like our freak, our generational talent. And it's, it's a shame he didn't run it in, but, like, I was like, wow, that is a spitting image of everything. But it had to be that moment when he picked it up like he's gone, right? Just like it was a San oh, Francisco. Yeah. Like, when it, that, that moment of moments where you saw that he picked up the ball in security, you're like, oh, this is going the other way. Yeah. Right? Like, he's putting his game away from us. I literally wrote down in my notes, Chase Young to the rescue. Like, and that's... He's, he's going to rescue our entire franchise. It's incredible. Um, did you see, I think it was Ronald Darby posted the tweet of like the locker room festivities after yeah, the game. Awesome. It was great. And watching like young, like just kind of like partying up with everybody else. It, it was, it was so fun to watch. Um, the you fact see, you see, you see Curl's comments about the locker room. They're pretty funny. Yeah. The one, well, I love the, the, how shall I phrase it? Caucasian beat reporters trying to spell turned up. Uh, that was one of my it favorite. kept things. saying turned. Yeah. They said turned. I'm like, <laughs> I, I believe it is turned. Um, yeah. So he said turnt. Yes. <laughs> he very much said so. Uh, that was, that, that entertained me greatly. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, a couple of defensive players like Montez sweat had a couple of great plays. He was one of them who obviously batted the ball on the one on the fumble that chase young, um, uh, recovered it. Uh, I thought Jeremy Reeves in a kind of a revenge game returned to Philadelphia for him, had a couple of big hits. He obviously caught the interception for yeah. the, uh, the Sudfeld arm punt. Um, somebody else I'm missing uh, defensive line, like the interior defensive line had a couple of big the whole plays. line played great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, offensively, the only player I really wanted to single in particular was Antonio Gibson um, ran hard again. You know, when they're giving the ball to Gibson, I think it was our last offensive drive. I genuinely thought he was just going to keep running for first downs and like we would run out the clock that way. Like I was actually surprised when they kept, like he oh, was running for like eight or nine yards a clip. But like, I was genuinely surprised when they were bringing him down. Cause he would like run into the, into the line, bounce it outside. He did this like two or three times. And I'm like, fuck it, man, just give it to him. He's, he's closing this game for us. And it was, uh, I'm surprised how he sharp been, he looks. Should have been getting the ball in the second and third quarter. Um, let's you gotta give a shout out to, you gotta give a shout out to Logan Thomas. That catch in the back of the end zone was sick. Oh, Logan Thomas had a great, that was a great pass. I want to talk more about that when we get to the quarterback section. That was a, that was a great catch. Um, 
I can't believe I'm shouting him out. I thought he was going to be so bad. I, I said it before. I'll say I it was, again. Logan Thomas, top 10 tight end in the NFL this year. I mean, I would argue top five. I mean, like his stats alone, he's turned into a good blocker. He's basically become our quarterback safety valve. And now he's making, now he's making plays where Alex Smith basically said, go make a play. And he did. How many times as we've said in previous pods, like he's jump starting the offense. He's the guy where like, if everything is breaking down, like screw it, let's just keep dumping, feeding it to him. And like, that'll revitalize the offense. Yeah. I mean, he'd be the number one tight end in the league if he didn't go to tech. Automatic drop down. I, I, I feel your shade, and I, I, I appreciate that <laughs> hatred. I, I genuinely appreciate it. I, I, that, again, warms the cold cat. A lot better than Don Charles Inman, who's a who. Um, I, I don't hate Don Charles Inman. I just, you know, I'm like, whatever, you're worthless. But actually, if you look at it from a, from a tight end perspective, right, like this year, I think the only tight ends where you're like, okay, if you give me apples to apples, do I want this guy over Logan Thomas you're maybe talking about two. Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller right off the bat. George Kittle's hard because he didn't play, but George Kittle's fucking awesome, right? Mark Andrews has been really, really good this year. It just doesn't get a lot of pub because, you know, he gets overshadowed in Baltimore. Um, Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia is really good, just never plays. And then after that, uh, I mean, T.J. Hawkins in Detroit's been really, really good this year too, um, quietly. And yeah, but look who's throwing the balls then. Yeah. In comparison we to got, those quarterbacks. We had Taylor Heineke slinging the rock. No, even worse. We have Dwayne and Haskins. Haskins. <laughs> and Thomas is putting up these types of numbers, right? But like no one else, uh, there's nobody else right now in the league where I'm going to be like, yeah, definitively like, like I like Noah Fant over in, in Denver a lot. No, I'm not taking him. Mike Kosicki is talented in Miami. I really liked him when he was coming out of the draft. He could, he could put it all together, but like, I'm not taking him over them. Um, you know, Hunter Henry is never healthy. Austin Hooper's overpaid. Robert Tanyan is a. Is, I thought Fant was going to be awesome. I thought so too. I thought he was going to be better than Hawkinson when he was coming out. Um, yeah, just going through the list, I'm like, I don't see anyone where I'm like, all right, that guy's definitely better. You take like, everything into consideration how much he how much he makes. The fact he played all 16 games, he's healthy. I mean, like, there's no comparison. It's hard. Except Kelsey. I, I would bake Kelsey, whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, Kelsey and, and Darren Waller. Like, those two have been unstoppable. And Kittle, absolutely. I mean, he's been injured for so much of the year. But, yes, Kittle has been is great. Um, didn't I think Kelsey broke Kittle's record this year in terms of receiving yards. But that's neither here nor there. Kelsey, I think, is going to end up being pound for pound the best tight end ever. It's hard to make an argument. You're talking about him, Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp. Who's Gronk. The most, Gronk, Gronk, Gronk had like three or four years where he was amazing. Gronk's prime is as, as good, if not better, than anyone else. Like prime Gronk was literally unstoppable. I would like you had you put Kelsey in Andy Reid's offense with Mahomes, and he's just amazing. Yeah, it's a chicken or the egg argument in terms of the quarterback pairing. But Kelsey was good even before. Um, imagine, imagine if Kelsey had Alex Smith throwing the ball; he'd double the numbers. He'd triple. <laughs> the irony. Um, using your Alex Smith and a little bit of what you're talking about earlier with Logan Thomas as the seg to go the other way. Um, we'll talk about Alex Smith from a quarterback perspective, but I kind of want to, it's a chicken or the egg argument, but um, Smith was what he was last night, but I think a large function of what happened to him was I thought Scott Turner, you know, we've talked about him again a lot on the pod. Uh, he's been uh, the source of scrutiny for quite some time this year, but I thought last night was as bad a game as he's called all of this year. Um, 
he did, there was nothing in place that showed some level of, I guess, creativity, some level of going for the jugular to attack a totally out of their element, totally discombobulated, totally, we just met each other 15 minutes, let's play defense together type of defense. Like he did nothing to kind of attack them. He did nothing to prevent the Eagles relentlessly blitzing Alex Smith. Uh, he did nothing from a play action perspective after watching Gibson um, and to some extent Peyton Barber and, and McKissick rip off chunks of yardage. Like it was a very vanilla basic game plan. And I know the hindrance he was working out with quarterback, but there was nothing again in that game plan outside of like a couple of creative screen passes that showed me like, Oh, you thought really about how to attack this defense and put them away for good. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that go into Turner. I've been pretty hard on Turner now for multiple weeks. Um, he kind of found a groove with uh, Kyle Allen. Uh, and that groove semi-continued with when Alex was healthy. Um, and basically last week I said, no one could, like, I don't care how good of an offensive coordinator you are. No one could scheme, or was it last week? Yeah, last week. Uh, no one could scheme a game with Dwayne Haskins playing quarterback because he's just that bad. Um, but for the fourth or fifth consecutive week, I just my, my I bubbled over last night. I, I think I even texted you, Turner sucks. Yes, you did. Um, there was a play, you have to find the picture. There's a, uh, Mark Bullock tweeted out. There's a, late in the third quarter, there's a down where all 11 Eagles are in the box. Because they just were like, screw, we know you can't throw over the top. Yep. Uh, but the thing that bothered me, I think, the most is, one, Smith is just not right. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about Smith because I have pretty heavy feelings here. Um, but you have a quarterback who can't move. Let's, let's, let's say Smith is healthy. I don't care if he's healthy or not. He legitimately cannot move. He's yep. a statue. Yep. Uh, it's raining. <laughs> and it's uh, January 3rd. Right, like everything about that, it's an NFC night game in the rain with a quarterback who's a statue, and you have a young, you have three capable running backs, three, uh, plus one who's kind of a mini stud. Like I think Gibson, I think Gibson's figuring this whole running back thing out, and he's, I mean, if he's healthy, he's probably got a thousand yards in the season. Yes, um, McKissick's a great change of pace back, and then, you know, as my buddy Chester texted, death taxes and one yard from Peyton Barber. Right, that's all you need, and here we are. Not run the football at all. At one point, I think we had double the amount of passes. Like, if I have to watch another offensive possession where we go swing pass, swing pass, incomplete, crossers, punt, fourth and three, I might lose my mind. Early it's in the second so half. predictable. J.P. Finley tweeted the run play balance that you talked about, 13 runs, 24 passes, so nearly two-to-one ratio. With a quarterback who can't move. Yes, with a quarterback who was painfully immobile and literally wearing a brace on his leg to prevent long-term necrosis, if not neck nerve damage in his leg. Yeah, we're with throwing at a two-to-one ratio. Muscles that don't exist in your yeah, calf. That are synthetic. Not to mention our best receiver has one ankle. Kudos in for, you know, he actually played pretty well. But like, again, night game, raining, he can't run very well. Uh, Eagles just were like, okay, you're going to throw the swing pass every single time. We know it's going to up. And then they also realized, which Tim Bay has all this tape now, they're just going to push the shit out of him. And he can't move. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the offensive line held up or not. Any slight bit of pressure and he went down or a short arm pass. 
And what's frustrating to me is, is the, um, I was like, not screaming, but I was just venting to my boots hog buddies. Uh, I was like, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Like they are actively trying to tank. And they weren't really stopping the run that much as we were talking about earlier. They weren't. And my, the drive that like blew my top off was we started with a 10 yard run from Gibson incomplete pass pick in the second half. And that pick was almost, almost disastrous. You're um, talking about the one, the McKissick, the McKissick one or the, uh, the one that Logan no, no, Thomas no, fell down. McKissick one was just a hell of a play. I, just, I still don't know how that guy caught the ball. Uh, the one where Thomas, Logan Thomas slips. Yeah. But like, even if he doesn't slip, it's probably still a pick. It was in double coverage. Yeah. And it, I was. Or bracket oh. coverage. They didn't have uh, Bennett or Fletcher Cox in the game, and we refused to run the ball. Brandon and Graham, was, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, among a slew of, of others. And we refused, we just refused to run the ball. Oh, it was, uh, uh, Scott Turner, like, Sometimes being simple is all you need. And if you want to throw the ball, that's great. But take a, take a couple take a of shot. shots, right? We don't even if you overthrow the receiver by ten miles, just chuck it. Just open up the defense, right? It, it, you said it, and it's so true that there are countless plays where everyone is sitting on everything coming out from five yards. So Scott Turner, one thing that he's done well is that he can find one guy that kind of leaks out and get him open. Like he's good at like finding very like, good at pre-snap motion and. And creating one guy who's going to be open because the defense can't account for him. But in the case where the defense floods the zone and everybody is in front of the line of scrimmage, and even that leak guy is covered because everyone's in front of the line of scrimmage, and Smith can't basically release the ball by the time he hits the fifth step of his drop, yeah, like he, he either is going to go down because of his current predicament or like there's just nobody open. You kind of watch them with their thumb up their ass because, again, everyone's piling the line of scrimmage. It's like, just take one goddamn shot. Just take one. Just one. Right? That's why I was actually a little surprised that Foster wasn't active. Because um, he, he's caught like four passes. That's his thing. He runs like a 4 3 40. Just I mean, tell him to Sims, run a go route and throw it. Sims is, or Steve Sims. Cam Sims is a hell of a jump ball guy. Like, throw it to him. Throw right? it up to him. Actually, the best, my favorite play of the entire game was the uh, end around to uh, Steve Sims. Because uh, he's electric Second. in space. The one of those early first drive. It was the first drive. Yeah. yeah. It was like a 20 yard run. I mean, look, I really hope he's not on the team next year. And if he had muffed that punt, I would have punted him myself. Uh, but when he has the ball in space, he's electric. So you got to find ways to get him the ball in space. And that if was a good catch it. Yes. Well, he didn't have to catch this. We just handed I it mean, to obviously him. not in this situation. Yeah. But like in just in general. Um, yeah. Let's let's just go ahead. I mean, it's a chicken or egg thing with Alex Smith and Scott Turner. I did not. I, I thought Scott Turner's game plan was beyond basic. I think it was as bad as any as he's had this year. Like there was nothing, nothing interesting about it outside of maybe the first drive, which is obviously scripted, right? Like I li- I like the student body left screen, uh, screen pass that they threw to Logan Thomas, and he he ripped off a big chunk for like, it was like ten or fifteen yards. Like when we that. scored in that drive. I was like, we're gonna win this game by forty. Oh, I thought to your term, I thought we we're gonna boat race them, and so, it was. 100%. Uh, the irony was we flipped the script. Crisp start, no show afterwards. And as opposed to the, you know, the no show to start the game. Smith looked sharp to start the game in general, right? Like he was, he was slinging, hit his fifth step of the drop, ball was out. He was dropping to McKissick, dropping at Thomas, among other guys. Um, and even on the, the first touchdown pass, like the, the TD pass to McLaurin, gorgeous throw, right? Just 
well-placed, well-timed. You touched on it. It was obviously late in, this, in the first half, at the end of the first half, but the touchdown pass to Logan Thomas. Absolute laser, right? Um, but the bottom fell out probably after the second drive. Even if you want to say in the second drive, so um, Hurts throws the interception. It's third and seven, and uh, they run like this four wide out set, and it was like McLaurin was like at the slot. No, uh, McLaurin was like the second – of the three receivers on his left. McLaurin runs kind of a post, like a skinny post and Sims is running the skinny post and kind of forces into McLaurin who falls two yards short of the first down. If he throws the exact same pass, cause Sims was running the exact same route and he throws it to Sims, it's actually a first down and Sims was open against especially a bunch of like hobo guys on the Philadelphia defense. Right. And it's like, that's fine. That was a, uh, you know, that's, that's armchair quarterbacking, but the two interceptions that you mentioned, like it was a bad decision to throw the ball to McKissick, regardless of the hell of the play that was made by whoever the schlub on the Eagles was. Uh, the throw to the the throw to that ended up being intercepted by that linebacker guy on the Eagles um, could have been disastrous because we were basically just putting them right back into the game. Um, even the fumble that he had on that snap, like with three and a half minutes left in the game, you're like, oh shit, we're basically just going to hand them right back to hand this right back to them. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and you said it, and I'll just, just repeat it one more time. Like he's a statue, and to watch, to watch teams blitz him, they did it before. Like I think Seattle did it, or maybe I'm thinking of Carolina, but they started, and teams are going to continue to do so. And not to kind of tease the last segment of this, but it's uh, Tampa Bay blitzes on 36% of opposing dropbacks. That's the number one, or that's the most among any team in the NFC playoffs this year. So, and Todd Bowles, their defensive coordinator, is a known blitzer. So that's not good. Yeah, Smith, I don't know what drive it was. Um, I think it might have been the second drive, the one where we kicked the field goal to go up 10 nothing. It was either second, third. It was in the first quarter, I know that. Smith got tackled, or tackled, he got sacked by his, by his ankles, by his feet. Um, and he kind of laid there. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I thought, I thought he was coming out of the game. Kind of, oh, no. And he had that one really good drive to in the uh, in the half that obviously got it you know got us up 17 14 but like outside of that drive in the first drive he was really bad yeah um and you actually look at his overall numbers and they were okay but for for alex smith to be the quarterback he is he can't make mistakes and he had two picks we can we can really say one really really bad pick but my thing is, like, we're not going to beat Tampa Bay with a quarterback that can't move. We barely beat a team that was actively tanking. And sure, you can say, well, we, we won. Well, we won because I Doug think Peterson that, threw the game. Yeah, Doug Peterson threw the game because their nose tackle jumped off sides on purpose. I'm convinced that was on purpose. Um, but yeah, the Alex Smith thing is really hard. <laughs> to talk about i keep tweeting like fun facts about alex smith from our account um like today my my maybe one of my favorite stats of all time is in 16 starts a full nfl season smith is 11 and 5 as our starter we haven't won 11 games in a season since 1991 like there's just so i don't understand it i mean at this point i'm like hell run him out there for the first drive and then yank him so he can keep his keep his stats my the hard part for this for me is I'm I'm gonna bring up Taylor Heineke. Like I, whether he should have played or not, I don't. I have no idea. I thought Ron's comments were very telling when he was like, "I thought about it," and then 
Alex Smith after the game was like, yeah, actually in the second half, my leg was getting worse and worse. Um, so I think Heineke should be ready. But like when I'm thinking about this game, we're playing with so much house money. Why not run out? Why, why not run out Heineke? And no, don't come at me fan base here. It should be Alex Smith. If he can go, he hundred percent should go. But like, we're not going to beat him with Alex Smith. Our offense simply will not score enough points. And again, talking about the fact that, you know, we can't follow the same script. I alluded to it earlier. Uh, Washington's been the number two team in terms of point differential in the second half. The number one team, and shout out to think Grant Paulson, who tweeted the stat, uh, Tampa Bay is actually number one in the NFL in second half point differential. So we can't follow the same script. Like, we'll get down, and then we're going to catch up with our pants down and come back in the second half. Like, that's not going to work. Um, I joked, I'm like, great, we got the NFC East title in the bag. We're done. Let's do our one and done. Let's go home because we're going to lose by 50 to Tampa Bay. Um, Look, as stupid as this is, it's a, it's, a, it's a fact that this is a primetime game at FedEx Field. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff at FedEx Field. That is disaster. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. It's not Monday. I don't care if it's Monday, Sunday, or Wednesday. It is a disaster scenario. Um, but that, putting that aside, right? Like, I, I, I love Chase Young's comment coming out the field of Tom Brady, I'm coming for you. I love the fact that a lot of Washington fans are like, you know, well, you know, Brady really struggles against the pass rush. I mean, number one, every quarterback struggles against the pass rush. I hate saying this because it's cliche. I hate saying this because he's like 43 years old or whatever. This is still Tom Brady. Oh, it's not cliche. It is still Tom Brady. He's the second highest rated quarterback in the entire league, according to PFF, right behind AA Ron. I mean, let's, let's, let's not get it twisted. I don't know. I haven't fully dug into the Mike Evans injury situation, but even put him aside, I think I'm pretty sure he's going to play, even if he's at, you know, like 50% capacity. But you're still talking about Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, who showed signs of life last week. They have a bunch of little receivers who constantly make play like Scotty Miller, among other guys. Uh, Gronk is still a thing for them. You know, they're going to find different ways. And also, we struggle to stop the other team from running the football by and large. And under the radar, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, maybe less so Leonard Fournette, but Ronald Jones has been really, really good. They have a diverse offense. They get a little too cute at times, but I don't think they're going to have that much trouble attacking our back seven or finding ways to, you know, really push it down the field, which Bruce Arians has been known to do. And as we talked about earlier, they're going to blitz the loving shit out of Alex Smith on defense and, and ask us to stop it. Which we won't. Yeah, I don't, I'm a little more bullish on this game. I don't think we're going to get blown out. Uh, I th- I honestly think our defense is is like actually legit, and they'll keep us in the game for a while. Um, but I actually think one of the keys to the game is if KPL can play Kevin Pierre Lewis. Like we have to have him on the field because we need someone to be able to run with Gronk. Um, like I don't know, I. He hasn't played in a couple weeks. I haven't looked it up recently, but I bet you Kevin Pierre-Lewis is one of the top five um, great out linebackers versus the pass. Like, that's especially – he's not a great linebacker by any means. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this guy's a top 15 linebacker or anything. But from a – like, strictly from a coverage standpoint, he's great. And he's super fast. So we need him badly. I do think our defensive line will cause a lot of problems. Um, I still think – Tampa is going to score 24 to 30 points, right? Like, they're still going to get there. They just have way too much talent, plus Tom Brady, right? Like, yeah. Like, spade, spade here. That that offense is great. Uh, and they're hot. They're rolling right now. They scored, like, 30-plus points, like, six straight games or something. Um, my point is I'm, I'm going to keep going back to Smith. Like, I think our defense does enough to keep us in the game. Hell, Tom Brady is such a statue. You, you – 
we may get like a sack fumble, uh, you know, something like that to like give us some momentum to actually give us a chance in the game. And I keep coming back to like, what are we going to do with it? Because Smith can't move. Um, if his, if he is like, I think a hundred percent Heineke is better than 80% Smith. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's a very fair assessment to say. And that's just from a perspective of like, he can get away from people running at him or he can make, you know, keep his balance. If somebody swats at his foot, just because the current condition of Alex Smith's legs. Yeah. It's, it's a shitty thing to talk about right now. Cause I want the story to be about Smith being in the playoffs first Brady. Like that's what I want. Right. And I like, honestly, if, if Smith can go, please God put him in there. I don't want to see Taylor or Tyler, Taylor Heineke. Like if Smith can go, go. But the quarterback we watched last night got worse and worse and worse. And our head coach even was like, yeah, he played bad, and I almost made the switch. Yeah, at halftime. Yeah. Not and, only that. And the signs started manifesting themselves since the San Francisco game. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to say, just like the – Ron keeps saying we're playing with house money. If there's ever someone playing with house money, it would be Taylor Heineke in a playoff game versus Tom Brady. <laughs> He can come in with literally no fucks. Literally given. nothing to lose. What, he throws right. five picks and we lose by 50. Then we're like, oh, well, we started fucking. It was just Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Yeah. He comes yeah. in and all of a sudden he's going toe-to-toe with Brady. Like, it would be the cool story. It would I mean, be the cool it would story. be really. It'd be a movie-esque story. We are, we're already in a movie. Fucking Alex Smith is five and one as our starter. And our coach came back from cancer. And our coach came back from cancer. By the way, I'm going to put that out there on that last point. Um, I know, so a couple of contenders for coach of the year. Uh, some people have mentioned Brian Flores. Brian Flores is not going to win coach of the year if Tampa, when Miami did not win this, uh, did not get to the playoffs. Yeah, so it's Tua kinda, was awful. It, it's not going to be. Yeah, I'm, I, I love Tua. I've made no apologies about that. And I'm starting to have questions even about myself. I try, hey, I'd throw a second for him. Shout out to Small Springs idea. Um, it's actually kind of genius, but they just fired their offensive coordinator. They're going to hire a fixed Tua offensive coordinator. Um, but what if Fields is there? Oh, I don't know. Wait, wait. I think somebody bid on the Chan, Chan Gailey fake news at fake Adam Schefter uh, tweet. Oh, yeah, ESPN got, got, got got by a fake Shefty yep. tweet. <laughs> um, so finishing the Ron Rivera thought, uh, Ron Rivera should. I think Ron Rivera took the second worst team in the NFL, got them a division title in a season where he had cancer, in a season where he had to start his backup quarterback who came off a literal life-threatening leg injury. If that does not spell a – coach of the year award i literally do not know what does but i think the lazy media narrative is going to give it to kevin stefanski of the cleveland browns just because oh the browns made the super bowl i mean the playoffs for the first time since 2002 uh the browns had two number one overall picks on their team they have the fourth overall pick in the secondary they had the 10th overall pick on the offensive line they um they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They have Odell Beckham. I know he didn't play for majority this year. And Jarvis Landry. And I'm supposed to be excited about the fact that he got this twin team to 10 wins. I know they're the Cleveland Browns. I know they play in the AFC North. Tell me who took a team and did a better job making that team play above themselves compared to Cleveland's roster compared to ours. And it's ridiculous to say that considering they are forever the Cleveland Browns. But like, look at the difference in talent that he had to work with. We we played four quarterbacks. They played one. They had the number one pick overall at quarterback, who is not terrible. He's not great, but he's I'll take him. Oh, right. I and mean, again, we we cut we cut our first round quarterback. Yes, rightfully so. 
I, yeah, I, I don't really understand. I don't. I agree with you. I mean, no, like, no bias here. Like, how is Ron not the coach of the year? I, I just, I, I don't understand how you cannot give it to him. I that 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 will not cross my mind. But I would bet dollars to donuts right now that Kevin Stefanski is going to win it because of the Browns narrative. That oh, they're the Browns. They went. They went with eleven and five. Ten, ten and six, eleven and five. One of those two. But they barely, made the playoffs. Barely. For the- for the first time since 2002. So they're like, Oh, that's, that's, that's such a major accomplishment for them. And it's like, yeah, great. We're, you know, our owners, Dan Snyder, give us some credit here. Yeah. Our, our, our head coach took naps before games and then IV got IVs at halftime. 11 and five. It should be wrong. I hope it's wrong. You won't be. Uh, I, 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 it should be, it is a travesty. If it is not Ron Rivera, uh, it's not going to be Ron Rivera, and it's an absolute joke. And again, take one I reason. Did. One reason it might not be him is simply to dull out awards. Because if Rivera gets Coach of the Year, all of a sudden we're looking at like Coach of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'm glad I, I've heard other people say this. So I'm glad it's not just the two of us in the echo chamber. They should not give the Comeback Year of the Award, Comeback Player of the Year Award to Alex Smith. They should rename the Comeback Player oh, of yeah, the Year. The award. Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year Award uh, goes to. Alex I can't Smith. remember where I saw this, but like somebody like was joking that like they should literally take Alex Smith's leg brace and like turn that into a. trophy. Well, did you see the trophy? Oh, well, it was the Super Bowl. It? That's when I joked. I was like, since when they turned his thing into a Super Bowl trophy, I'm like, that's it. We're winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we. It's a sign from God. I mean. I need to go look up Peyton Manning's stats when he won that Super Bowl, but I remember him being really, really bad. He was awful and, that year. He got benched. Yeah, he, he got yeah. benched for Brock Osweiler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In like the AFC Championship game or something ridiculous. No, it was the 10th or, no, or 11th game. game. That, it was the 10th yeah. or 11th game, and then they had to put him back because I think Osweiler got hurt. Osweiler stunk too. And he basically just limp-armed through the playoffs. Peyton Manning was not – and I am as big a Peyton Manning fan as you will find. But Peyton Manning was not good in 2015. Yeah. And, they, and they ended up beating Ron Rivera in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Also, uh, when Rivera took the Panthers to the playoffs at 7-8-1 – the following year, they were fifteen and one and went to the Super Bowl. Just saying. Was that Newton's MVP year? Mm-hmm. I don't have Cam Newton. That's the year we played them, and we like kind of semi went toe to toe with them for a little while, and then and then Newton turned on the second half. I think it was the fourth quarter. Yeah, there was. I'm trying to remember who it was. Someone had a pick six on our side. And they called it back on a bogus pass interference call, and then the game just went to shit, and we got blown out. <laughs> I do not remember that. That's a good pull. I do not remember that one. I remember Newton I had a couple of rushing touchdowns. Okay. Oh, yeah. As one does against us. Um, yes. But uh, Newton was monstrous that year. That was the 50 touchdown year, if I'm not mistaken, where he had 50 combined. Uh, I think it was 45 and five, like 45 touchdown or 45 rushing or 42, 42 passing, sorry, and like eight rushing or some like absurd total of making 50 touchdowns. But he was a monster that year. You can also uh, go ahead and stay far away from Washington next year. Putting that into the universe. I don't get this whole Cam Newton to Washington thing. We're like the segment of the far, fan base. Far, far away. And again, I, I, I'm actually a Cam Newton guy. I've always big, been a big defender of his, but I'm like, he's taken too much pounding, man. Like he's just. He can't throw the ball. He can't. He's 
it's not the same guy anymore. Unfortunately, like the physical toll of this game will do that to you. He's just not, I'm sorry. Like, and I'm not trying to be a hater. Like he's just not, I, I would love to have prime cam Newton on this team. I would kill for that opportunity, but not. Now the bigger question is, which we'll talk about in a future episode is who is the quarterback of this team in 2021? Because different question, different time. It's, it's, um, that's a whole podcast by itself. By in and of itself. After we win the Super Bowl, going 4-0 with Alex Smith. And so he can retire. And Alex Smith is winner. up on the podium holding the, the, the yeah, leg, leg brace trophy and the Lombardi trophy right next to each other. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's, that's, that is the official prediction. That's not really a prediction, but that's what the prediction is for the record. Um, I think we'll leave it Chase, there. Chase Young gives me so much hope that I feel like we can beat him. That's, that's the kind of player he is. Franchise-changing talent. He's a franchise-changing player. I want to shout out to the dude on the, the, the J.P. Finley podcast or the Red, Washington football team talk podcast because I know it's, it was a bit – It's the Red I, podcast. I know it was a thing, but he was emphatically talking about we should trade back and how teams would be better off trading from the second overall pick. It was a ludicrous idea everyone knew that Chase Young, everyone was making fun of what does generational talent really mean? Do you want to know what generational talent really means? Watch Chase Young for the second half of the season. Watch it. Do we realize how good that once Chase Young got fully healthy from that groin injury that he suffered in the beginning of the year, how monstrous he's been? Monstrous. I mean, he's the best player. I feel like, I mean, it took Sean a couple of years to like really stand out. I mean, everyone knew he was a stud. That first preseason game, he had, I think he had a pick six. I still uh, say 04, Sean Taylor might have been his best. 06, sorry. 06, Sean Taylor was incredible. 06 or 07? One of those two. 06, was 06, he was a stud. 07, when he got hurt and then RIP, one love. He had like four picks in five or six games or something. And was on pace just to not only be like – he was on pace to be an all-pro the whole thing. I can't remember if it was 06 or 07 where it was the Green Bay game re- where he like he Brett had Favre. two picks and should have had like seven. <laughs> and Favre kept trying to throw it away from him and they picked off multiple Favre passes that yeah. everyone talks about. I can't remember if that was 06 or 07. I think it was oh, pretty sure it was 06. But um, yeah, I think it was LeVar was still when You say team. generational player though. Like I have so much belief in that guy that I feel like we can go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady with a one-legged quarterback in the playoffs. That's how good he is <laughs> and it's just a and, have, and he's our he's on our team forever he's on our team forever we're never said, letting him go i said this a lot with the 49ers mold and it's like the 49ers had a bunch of off like a bunch of studs on the defensive line like they drafted deforest buckner they drafted solomon thomas solomon thomas was a big swing and a miss um t4 they had somebody else on, oh eric armstead right so they had eric armstead on the defensive line and it's like they were good and then they put joey bosa and on I the put line bosa. Yeah. Joey, Joe, Nick, Nick Bosa. They put Nick Bosa on the line and it just transformed into monstrous, like absolutely like Monst- suffocating. Right. And like, can you not say that over the last X number of games, Washington's been exactly the same. Deron Payne has been great, but he's awesome. been taking one massive step forward. Jonathan Allen has taken one massive step forward. Montez Sweat. It is a, I mean, again, the pro bowl is worthless, but it's a goddamn travesty. The Montez Sweat did not get selected to the, what would have originally been Hawaii. And look at the way, and I th- you cannot say that the addition of Chase Young wasn't such a major catalyst in all of those steps forward, in addition to their own individual talents. 100%. I mean, no, that he just makes the whole team better. Like Morgan Moses, uh, they asked him about Chase Young last night, and he was like, every time we have a three and out or come off the field, Chase comes up to him and says, I'll get you the ball back. It's just like he's infectious. The maturity, the work ethic, the drive, the professionalism, 
all of which was not possessed by our previous. He makes me player. want to get a current player jersey. The ultimate compliment I can give. To like I said, anybody. previous pods. Like I, you know, we're me and my friends are usually not of the ilk. I haven't gotten a player jersey in quite some time. Although I did get like from a cheap knockoff Kirk Cousins after the fifteen season when we went to the playoffs, but like that was from a cheap knockoff place. Uh, but yeah, Chase Young is when when my friend was like when it, you know my friend John was like yeah we're gonna get a Chase Young jersey. I think he was getting it for his son. I'm like this is a fantastic choice. Like that is an absolutely great idea. God, so good. We got we gotta take advantage of this defense. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we hopefully we start on uh, Saturday night and shock the world. I might have secretly been looking because I think we secured like the, like somewhere in the 19th overall pick, assuming we are not victorious, which we will be because we're going to win the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. But um, in, yeah, in the world that we're not, I started looking at linebackers who would be available around uh, the 19th overall pick in the draft. But that's that's oh, all. I really wanted. I really wanted that Penn State dude, yeah, Parsons. Yeah, it's not happening. He might uh, go to Philadelphia. Trey Lance though may be there in 19, and you, I think you run the card in. I'm starting to come. Around. I'll tell you. Starting to come around on Trey Lance. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. I, I don't. I have no idea if he's good or not. I just know he's got the talent. He's big, great arm. All all the all the tangibles you want. But we need a rookie quarterback contract because we're about to dole out some serious money to that defensive line. So, rookie contract and quarterback all day. I started doing my draft research and started doing my homework for my like annual ten thousand word extravaganza for like scouting, and I I did some homework on Trey Lance, and I'm like, oh. That's what everyone's talking about. Yeah. Um, starting to come around a little bit on him. And plus, a whole another segment for a whole another day. Um, I, we will leave it there. Uh, you heard the official prediction. Alex Smith is going to be double-clutching two Super Bowl trophies. Um, Hell yeah. Come, House money, baby. Come the end of February. But without further elaborating on that, that's what we'll talk about in the next podcast, hopefully after a Washington victory, after the Super Bowl. massive upset of the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. But until then, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I've been dropping slowly like little things here and there on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, as mentioned. But of course, that's only after you subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever the hell you get your podcasts, and you follow us on Twitter, among other places. Say again? And Spotify. Don't, and Spotify, yeah, among other places. Yeah. I was going to say, I so part of the old manism on the Spotify part. But yes, wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. But until then, we will talk to you next weekend, again, after a Washington football team victory. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.